Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. Both. I saw saw on the website that your mom... So I'm guessing your mom like started the practice or she was yeah. like running the practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She wow. The practice. We joined about five years ago and she started the, um, the research company about 20 years ago. Yeah. When she, and 20 years ago is when she stopped delivering babies and just transitioned to gynecology. Um, and since she had kind of more time on her hands, let's say she kind of got more into research. And wow her own and started it on her own yeah so we've got the Bedell triplet OBGYNs these are all each one's a OBGYN triplets they all work at uh the practice new age women's health in Miami Florida uh both of their parents were OBGYNs their mom started the practice their mom started research that's amazing um and you guys took over in uh, five years ago more or less i don't know about took over but we joined yeah. you joined yeah, okay so still, still. she's still running it okay yeah. wow all right my my dad's a psychiatrist and he's the one who got me in the research so we got some oh, similarities cool. we got some similarity i just didn't go all the way through to med school like you guys but uh that's actually one of the reasons why i got into research i tried to like kind of um spice up my resume for med school because my grades weren't good enough and then the business started calling i started seeing like what kind of a business actually is if you run it so i kind of fell into it by accident um but you guys didn't choose like OBGYN by accident how did that how did that start like your mom and your dad they start this practice OBGYN you guys i'm guessing very similar to me like interning shadowing there in high school college a little bit right and how does that turn into like all of you guys go and become OBGYNs. So this is amazing. 
Yeah, I think we all probably have a, a different version of the story. I mean, it seems like, well, yeah, of course we did. There was this, you know, almost like not forcing, but heavy suggesting from our parents or something like that. And that actually was not the case. In my perspective, if anything, both of them were like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Are you really sure? Um, so uh, and for me, at first, I didn't think that I wanted to do it because I was always the kid who like, almost fainted. I hate getting shots, hate getting needle, any of that stuff. I don't like blood. So I just assumed I wouldn't want to do something surgical. I thought about psychiatry for a good amount of time. But so I think we all knew we wanted to go to medical school very early on, but the specialty I think came later. Um, in school, I still kind of carried that same thought. Okay, cancel all the surgical specialties and see what's going on um, with, with non-surgical options. And then actually going through the courses, actually going to the hospital, seeing patients kind of realizing like, actually, I really like taking care of women. I think there's something unique about the personality. I like having conversations with them. No offense to men, but they seem a little easier to kind of take care of. They're, they're motivated at maybe being a female myself. I see it differently, but motivated, I think, a little more to take care of themselves. Um, of course, our field naturally has a lot of privacy to it. And so I appreciated the comfort that I was allowed to offer. And I appreciated the trust that patients would give to you in that specialty on its own. Having babies is also usually a happy time in someone's life and all that and being part of that and offering continuity of care, I really liked. Plus also, honestly, your day-to-day -day is relatively predictable, despite what most people say about OBGYN in that I can definitely come to work knowing that most of my patients will be healthy. And um, I, I really like that, a lot of counseling, a lot of preventative care. And I really kind of learned like uh, seeing a lot of patients who are really sick, mm, that is its own thing, not my vibe overall or something that I really can do every day. So I like that kind of seeing healthy women definitely attracted me. And seeing that my parents had done it, could do it, could balance their life, definitely in the background that was always going on with, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. And I just really didn't think about it until school, like medical school, actually. Hmm. That's my story. What about you guys, Sarah, Vicky? Um, pretty similar, I'd say. Another aspect of the field that I enjoy is you can follow a patient throughout their life. You can start seeing them when they're 15, 16, and then see them until they're 85. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a good mix of, fine, I guess for the most part, it is a little bit predictable, but it has a good mix of procedures. Um, you get to be an expert about one area and there's a lot of variety within that area. So it, it really is a unique specialty. You get to do a lot. Yeah. And I would kind of, say the same things as they did. I don't have a ton to add, but yeah, the interest definitely was heavily influenced by our parents, sure, and just a natural kind of inclination towards science, and that's what we liked, and that's what we were kind of better at in school, I guess, um, mm. and then in medical school, kind of going through all of the different fields, it was nice to finally be on the OBGYN rotation and not feel like we were starting from zero. Like, okay, this is a little bit familiar. I'm used to, you know, these types of findings and these types of patients and just kind of grew to really want to do that. Did you guys do same undergrad school, same medical school, all that? We all yes and no. the same 
college and then Joanne and I went to medical school together. Sarah was separate. And then we all went to different residency trainings in different states. Yeah. Because that would be very unusual to all get matched in the same place. Uh, Yeah. We thought about it at first, but then realized like that's not happening. So. (laughs) Yeah. The probability of that's like almost zero uh, for that happening. But that's, that's crazy. I have to ask, like in college, were you guys... (laughs) Did you guys take tests for each other and stuff like that? I have, I'm sure no, you've been asked. No, you. we were good kids. Uh, <laughs> no. Wow. We were, yeah. Our parents were scary and we were always afraid of getting in trouble. So we never, <laughs> <laughs> we never did anything like that. Wow. Everyone's and, disappointed to hear that. Though. Yeah. I had to ask. And then when you all finished med school and finished residency, was your plan always, Hey, you know what? We're going to help the family business or did you guys have other plans like what was that like well Um, I think we knew that we always wanted to practice in the same city and definitely live close and you know maintain that um as far as was it Miami for sure no that wasn't definitely part of the plan but the closer we got to graduation and kind of figuring that out like hey we actually do have to come up with a plan now um it kind of seemed like, hey, our mom has a really good setup. Like I'm certainly very attached to Miami in a lot of ways. Our family lives down here. Um, And uh, realizing, oh, so we could just kind of join a practice. Like what other practice is gonna hire three brand new OBGYNs all at the same time, all same kind of skill level. That's a hard thing for other groups to take on. Or we could start something completely from scratch ourselves, but hey, our mom already did mm. that. Like it really was just kind of a good fit for sure. Yeah, and met all of our sense. needs. Yeah, it made sense. What about research? So how does research come into play? Because most of my audience, all my audiences are researchers or aspiring researchers. There are a lot of physicians watching that are kind of sitting on the sidelines. Maybe they have a private practice and they're curious about starting their own site and one of you guys, I think Joanna approached me on Instagram and said, hey, you know what? Oh, really? Vicky. Okay, Vicky. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Vicky approached me, you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, what are some ways to expand your research and kind of, we, you want to expand, but you want to stay within the confines of OBGYN, which makes sense. So um, there are potentials to also expand into other therapeutic indications, which we can get into later. but. You said your mom started the research. So was there already like an established customer base as far as sponsors interested in your site? And is your site a different business or is it part of new separate separate separate. Separate business? I think one of her first sort of introductions to research was actually some type of um, like tissue procurement project where somebody approached her just knowing she had she saw a high volume of patients on the labor floor they were interested in collecting placenta samples basically of which otherwise would have been discarded in the hospital. And so it started really as a side project. And when we were in middle school, she would bring home these samples and keep them in the freezer after she had kind of sterilized everything in the office as like a storage area. Um, And to be honest, she realized, Oh, this is actually really easy to do. It's just a matter of consenting, gathering. I have the time, I have the organization and patients are willing. Um, and she, she's a very organized person, like almost pathologically. So, and I think probably a lot of, if not the majority of people that go into research are, um, and so 
it was a really sort of quick, easy kind of met all of her, um, her, her skills really um, allowed for it to, to go well. And so, and then she got a lot of patience and, and did it well and they liked it. And then it sort of became a tissue project sort of beyond that all related to women's health uh, for patients she already had in the office of, yeah, I see 20 patients a day. Oh, they need pap smear samples. Sure. Let, let, let's do it. Let's, um, and then I think eventually somebody referred her either to a sponsor or a CRO that they had a good relationship with. And cause it's always, how do you get the first trial without having experience? And so she sort of proved herself with these smaller projects and then got recommended for something else. Yeah. And worked really hard, like, you know, would be awarded one study and worked really hard um, to just maximize um, enrollment with those and her having access to her patients who had a long-term relationship with her. They trusted her opinion. She was able to counsel them easily and talk about the benefits of joining and was able to get um, patients that way. So one by one, you know, trial by trial, she was just slowly proving herself. Um, That's the way to do it. You know, find that first study. It's going to be like a registry study or a phase four observational Mm -hmm. or in your case, a uh, sample study um, uh, for cord blood or or for uh, placental tissue. So, yeah, this this is kind of how you get started. And then you guys, do you guys have like study coordinator? working for you and what what is the setup for the research site um so right now in the last couple of months um for reasons beyond my understanding it has really exploded um i think really mostly with uh word of mouth so we've we just hired a new coordinator it's actually our first male in the office um yeah and (laughs) so him we have yeah, I think we have four coordinators. Four now. Coordinators. Um, and then wow. we have, yeah, we have um some one person strictly for data entry, one scheduler, one um lab director, we'll call her, and the data entry um employee also crosses over into the lab, and then one site director who we actually promote. Oh, you have a site director. Only but that's only recent in Just the last couple of months, um, because it really called for it. Um hmm. we we're doing all of a sudden sort of six studies at once. Um, yeah, because it was sort of COVID kind of paused everything or there was a lot of build up to some studies that then just didn't happen. And then we were um, reaching out to companies and saying, you know, put us on the list for this. We're very interested in doing it. And the majority of those yeah, came just- through and sort of all of a sudden we had five, six studies at once. So really in the last few months, it's um, expanded. But last year, uh, kind of in the trail ends of COVID, it was a little slower. Yeah, COVID kind of, I noticed, I started my new site last year as well here in Yuma, Arizona. I had another site in the LA area, um, but the wife and I moved here to Yuma. This is where she's from. And we started a site. It's really underserved area, but we got also like six studies in our first year. And I have two coordinators now. Now I'm the site director instead of the like everything. Uh, now I'm site director, and pretty soon I hope to replace myself in that aspect too. Um, how do you guys decide who's going to be the PI? Do you flip a coin or how? Um, it depends. <laughs> well, for the most part, um, we still see patients in our gynecology practice. We actually stopped obstetrics about a year ago 
partly for personal reasons, but also with a plan to um, expand the research business more and be available for that. Um, so usually it's our mom is the PI, um, just because she has more time to sort of ah. do those duties. Um, although we do have a study coming up um, that I'm going to be the PI for, uh, for the first time, just because it's for a, a skin disorder of the vulva that I happen to know the most about in the office. And so it just seemed more appropriate for me to be the PI with that. Um, cause I'm the only one in the office that sees those types of patients, but otherwise it's usually our mom and we're sub eyes, but that's mostly time related. I see. So sub-investigators for the most part, but sometimes PI when it's appropriate, like if it's a yeah. specific niche that one of you guys yeah. are the experts on, right? More or less. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of studies are you guys seeing lately? Like you don't need to get into specifics, but like, what are you seeing like a trend in, in uh, the OBGYN? De definitely, space? yeah. Our, our bread and butter for sure is contraception. Um, yeah, also what we get a lot is um, vaginitis, like yeast infections, BV, chronic vaginitis, um, things like that, I think are by yeah. far most common. And menopausal management. Yeah, and menopause management. Flash trials. I see. And what about uh, vaccine studies? You know, I've, I've noticed a trend in yeah. child or like um, pregnant vaccinations, right? Like uh, RSV comes to mind. I have a colleague in LA who actually, he's an OBGYN. And he took on one of these studies and they had to get cord blood samples. It was an entire ordeal. We actually got offered that same study. I don't know if you guys get that one. We got offered that study here, but I couldn't do it because I didn't have a relationship with OBGYN in my new town. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we were offered at some point. I admit I don't specifically remember, but since we've stopped our obstetric practice for now, yeah, we can't do that. But we have done... Um, we also do like um, sample procurement still, like the mm -hmm. same way our mom would collect placentas and whenever that happens. And um, at the time when we had pregnant patients, yeah, they wanted ones who had blood pressure issue or X, Y, Z within a pregnant patient that we were collecting serum samples for. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's hard when you don't have, you know, how do I say it? Like, it's a lot easier if you already see those kinds of patients anyway, way easier to re help recruit for that type of a study. But we did do a, um, a CMV vaccine. Yeah, now that was back in. That was maybe two years ago. Three. Yeah. Two, three. Mm -hmm. Do you know, yeah. like, um, are those, do you think this mRNA platform, like this technology, do you think they're going to keep building on that or like after yeah. COVID or do you think like they're rethinking that now? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I think the latest data has showed how effective they are, how quickly they can be manufactured. I mean, especially when you have the whole world working on it, but they're really, the whole world was working on it or is working on it in the last couple of years. So there's a lot of data. Um, so that should keep going for sure. Yeah. I think one issue though is, you know, well, how much brain power, manpower do we need to re kind of reinvent the vaccines that already exist? So that might be one of the limits, but in general, for yeah, as far as from here on out, it's absolutely going to be a big player. Yeah. yeah, I tell I tell everyone who is thinking about a career in research, whether they're a clinician or somebody that wants to be a coordinator or a CRA, I think like this mRNA alone, however, regardless of how you feel about it, it's very polarizing. 
I think they're going to keep improving it. I think that's enough to keep the industry busy for the next decade, if not longer. Just that alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or even just vaccine follow up, antibody measurements. What else can the, you know, thing, things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of different aspects that can be tracked. Yeah. What's what's in uh, what do you guys have plans for like expansion? Do you do you ever see yourself expanding into other therapeutic areas? So, yeah, so we're trying to do that a little bit, and we've started to seek out obesity trials that are maybe related to a GYN condition. So PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome um, can be associated with metabolic syndromes and things like that, especially with there's a lot of awesome um, weight loss drugs. And just part of what sparked this is honestly half of the patients that we see in our GYN practice are always saying, I can't lose weight. I'm struggling with weight loss. And so it's just something that it seems like the population is very in, interested in. And in the last few months, there's been a lot of new, um, uh, I think it's sub Q injections uh, related to that. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's sort of the perfect storm of this is something that our patients need and would be interested in. Uh, right. Recruitment would be a no brainer for that. Oh, yeah. And they seem to work really well and it could help the subset. <clears throat> of our population already. So uh, we would be certainly willing to do other non-women's health studies if we feel like we could do a good job at it, which is mostly um, recruiting a lot of patients, but ones that would also stay in the study and be motivated. So weight loss seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, weight weight loss is one thing my PI really wants me to get more of, and they get bombarded with reps uh, that come in. (laughs) Now they're all doing the subacute the diabetes uh, subacute yeah. injections that uh, being used off label for weight loss. And I know they're doing some studies uh, for that. And um, it's just interesting to see how all these things kind of like related to, like you said, obesity and inflammation. Yeah, they, they work really well. The data is really good. They cause either some wildly high numbers, 15 to 25% weight loss that's sustained over a year. Yeah. So, very few diets can do that. It's like, it, they do work really well. And um, I think part of what will motivate um, people to be in patients, to be in studies now is those medications are really new. So they're also really expensive. So even if they qualify, insurance isn't covering it yet. And so they're even yeah. more made, motivated to be yeah. in a study. Or otherwise they'll take a really long time to get. Yeah. So. yeah. Two other things that besides mRNA that I think are going to keep this industry relatively recession proof and relatively busy uh monoclonal antibodies uh i'm noticing that in derm a lot like i have a derm pi and we're seeing a lot of maps obviously oncology what about obgyn with with maps not not that i'm immediately aware of it's funny that you say that um my my husband is a pathologist um so he he's a whole other breed of um, medicine of what he ends up seeing. But yeah, he's been mentioning that to me a lot, how it really has revolutionized a lot of different types of cancer therapies, um, autoimmune conditions that we're learning more and more have different presentations than we think, or a lot of GI disorders and things like that. So the use for that is huge. I have yet to hear of some kind of matchable condition for OBGYN that I'm aware of that maybe it would perfectly fit into. But um, in general, outside of our field, yeah, I agree, huge potential and has changed a lot of different conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Absolutely. so. I was just curious because I know, like, I keep hearing that, and like, from different specialists now too. So I was just 
I, you know, I had no idea if OBGYN's also on that bandwagon yet or not. Maybe. Do you think there's potential there, like for something just off the top of your head, or? Um, it could be. Um, it's hard to come. Yeah. There, there aren't a ton of true, like at yeah, least true. autoimmune conditions. Yeah, that, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe for like sclerosis and some type of like, because that is an autoimmune skin disorder of the genitals, and so. It's very, very specific, specific, but otherwise, I don't think there are a whole lot of other strictly GYN conditions that are autoimmune based um, or have like this huge uh, immune basis. Um, yeah, yeah besides like maybe some things like lupus and Sjogren's syndrome affecting the vulva, but it's not like a Primary. Yeah, like hydradenitis superativa, like oh, yeah, other skin condition, yeah. which inherently on its own, there's some overlap, kind of like like well, kind of yeah. there's some overlap with GYN, but is it exclusively handled by us? Definitely not. Um, yeah. Dermatological stuff that happened yeah. to also involve there's some overlap. Yeah. yeah. What? So as far as like Miami, I don't know if you guys are aware, but sponsors must love you because. Miami doesn't have the greatest reputation for research. We're aware. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I tell everyone who's a client of ours, like, you know, if you're anywhere else besides Miami, we could probably get you a study in three months. If you're in Miami, it's like six. It's like double just because it's so saturated with sites. But it's missing. I think, like, it's missing sites like you guys have, like built into a practice. It's really like the way I see your practices, the practice first, that's the foundation. And then you have research where you have some patients who are appropriate. They can do the research studies. I think that's what sponsors want. And in Miami, for some reason, you just have like a research site on every corner. It's like 7-Eleven almost. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I don't know how. Yeah. We try to think about it too. Like, what is it about our site that they didn't choose? Well, you can kind of see, well, they chose that site sort of down the street. Why are we not better? Yeah. So do you have a lot of competition know. like OBGYN or out there in Miami? So there are some, um, there are a lot of OBGYN practices in our area and they do, they we say they dabble in research. They don't really have sort of as established of a thing that we do. And so every once in a while, because you can see on clinicaltrials.gov, like which sites are, are doing it. And every once in a while, we're like, wait, they got this study and we didn't. Yeah. And ours yeah. has a big setup. And I, I don't know what the trick is. Maybe you can give us some insight there, but I don't know yeah. what, because for the most part, we also, we have a, a big office, like we have a lot of space yeah. and we have a lot of staff and we're very friendly. So we always joke that if we can just get them to do a site visit or just come see our office. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. We have lists, like we keep databases that are like pages and pages long of people we know are willing to like, we just call them and they want to sign up for whatever. We're already keeping on. a list for obesity trials in case we yeah. get it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I'd be hard pressed to, to, feel like other sites that are just dabbling like we said really do that like is their mindset really focusing on this yeah and so and you have yeah, generational i mean yours is like a generational <laughs> company it's not like it's just somebody created one overnight you know it's like it's right. been going on for generations um i always tell my pi and then i do want to get into your operations and like the the uh, database and all that stuff but 
with my PIs, I, you know, they, they tend to ignore, I don't know if ignore is the right word, but sales reps come in and they just kind of sign their iPad and leave. And I tell my PI actually yesterday, I said, Hey, I know this sales rep has been coming here forever. Have you ever met the medical liaison? And he said, no. And I said, well, that's, you can get research studies through them. So I think, I don't know if you guys are doing that yet, but that's one way you can go about it is ask those sales reps, hey, you know what? Like, thanks for the coffee. Can you introduce us to your MSL? Um, I think they would love us. And then the MSL would be interested because you guys prescribe and you can do research. They're kind of looking for their next key opinion leaders. Uh, you guys would be great for that. Like even just just take the, the triplet thing aside, yeah. you know, just the fact that you're practicing in Miami, OBGYN very focused and doing research. So you have big practice potential for doing big research. I think just more MSLs, getting them to tour your site, you're just planting seeds. I think that's one way that is often overlooked. And I don't know if you guys are doing that, but you probably should. Like all those sales mm -hmm. reps that come in, get the MSL. We're writing this down now. <laughs> yeah, get it works. I got I got basically like they won't do this to you because you're the doctors. But yesterday, my PI didn't want to do it. So he sent me in there to talk to the sales rep. And the sales rep, you know, basically brushed me off. She's like, oh, I've been doing this for 30 years and no one ever asked me this. And I told her, well, I'm asking you. And, you know, my PI wants to do research. He's prescribing a big prescriber. And she's like, well, give me your business card and I'll see what I can do. But I can't promise anything else. But if it was you guys asking, a totally different story, right? Like. Sure. They have to do it. And then you could follow up and there's like, what, 20 companies that probably see you guys on a regular basis, if not more. So that's 20 medical science liaisons. It may take a few years to get those studies going, but yeah, whatever. It's planting yeah. seeds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I think you guys should do. Um, conferences. Do you guys do any? Miami has a bunch. Um, what type of conferences? Well, you can do like the OBGYN conference, but you can do like the research conferences too, like um, Society of Clinical Research Sites, ACRP, those kind of conferences, like the big ones. You can do that. Uh, DIA, Bio, those are those are big ones too. But also OBGYN, then you can meet all these MSLs also. Mm. That's another way to do it. And I know like a lot of those fly-by-night clinics in Miami, they don't do that stuff. so. You know, they're just kind of looking for the quick monetization and they're trying, the sponsors are looking like who's actually here for the long run. Yeah. So those are, those are some things that we, uh, we advise our clients to do as well. Hmm. But the MSL mm -hmm. thing, trust me, that's the easiest thing you can do and it's going to work. Just give it like a year or two. You'll start getting studies just off of that alone. Hmm. Yeah, what what about idea. operations, guys? Like, let's um, you, you kind of broke down your structure, so you have data. It it seems like it's very streamlined, right? You have a data manager for data entry. You have a lab person. Um, you have somebody who schedules. I'm guessing they're like a pre-screener as well. Like they're looking for yes. people who qualify. Um, yeah. what kind of tools mm -hmm. do you guys use? Are you guys paper source? Are you guys e-source? Uh, um, so we do, so that could use, I guess, um, some work. And uh, we use, at least for data maintenance, um, we just use Excel. And then um, 
Yeah, that's primarily it. We actually, I think Vicky was asking call me it about old school. this. Say it. Yeah. yeah, I reached out because I was asking about Ripple. Which, yeah. um, and we had another meeting uh, today, or like a pitch from a Ripple. Pitch, yeah. um, uh, we mostly... We also don't want to, we are busier now, and so we don't want to overwhelm all the staff with, like, here's a brand new system, just use it. Yeah. So we use it piecemeal. And so we really have no organized way of doing recruitment now because we mostly haven't had to. We've been recruiting our uh, GYN patients. Yeah. And then now we've had this influx of friends bringing their friends and referrals and, yeah, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think for the first. Yeah. yeah. And even just more than one study at a time. Yeah. We used to maybe three studies at once was a lot. Average was one or maybe two at a time for a long time. So, yeah, now that we have more, yeah, we have used um, Facebook ads a little bit, but yeah, word of mouth, at least in Miami, I don't know, is huge. Yeah, no, word of mouth is huge anywhere. Um, there's a few systems I was telling Vicky. One is Creo. We use Creo. It's a paid product. The other one's Viva, which I'm debating about Viva. experimenting with. Viva, V-E-E-V-A. Um, they're huge. They're publicly traded. They're like $20 billion market cap. They're, they're offering a free e-source soon. They have e-reg, and they're going to do e-source. They're, play, they're playing the long game. Like They want to give this tool to the sites for free because they want to let all the sponsors know, hey, you guys are going to pay us for our system. The sites are going to use it. They're already using it. So those are two options. I haven't played around with Viva too much. I will soon. But Creo does have like a database for patients where you can put patients in the database. Um, but you can always just kind of have your own database too. Like if you have an e-source e or an EMR um, for your private practice, you can, there's probably ways to make research. Otherwise you can just use Creo or Viva for that as well. Or Salesforce, you can buy something like Salesforce and just put patients in there just for research purposes. Salesforce is good too. So there's several options. Uh, I was just curious because when I started my site here, I started with eSource, eReg just off the bat because I knew once you train staff, then to switch after you've trained them, it's really tough. So I knew coming out here, like it's just me, I'm going to do eSource. And then my staff, they don't even know that there's paper in research. Like they barely even realize that. Yeah, back in the day, we used paper source and we still use a little because some of our doctors prefer paper and then we just upload it to the system. But I think that's yeah, kind of the future. Paper source is good too. It's just, it's, it's easier to streamline the database, especially like patient database, if you have some kind of system integrated with uh, e-source. It just makes life a lot easier. No headers, no more headers, no more like missing dates e-signatures yeah. for everything yeah. so pi oversight's great you just click a button and like you, you see everything there you just scroll click a button and and you've e-signed a chart or a visit so it's really cool for that like my one of my pis really loves it my other one's old school and just signs everything by hand yeah i think um honestly for the most part excel and just keeping maintaining good um paper charts was working for a while but just the volume it kind of outdoes itself at, at some point and just managing that whole and excel, excel get humongous and it's yeah 
it gets tougher, especially if you're going to start expanding. But yeah, it's just some some things to think about. Uh, but I, I had questions about that. And then how about staff turnover? Like I was going through a period where I just couldn't find there was a labor shortage. We went through like that little period. I don't know if we're out of it. I, it seems like we're out of it. The labor shortage, at least in over here where I'm at. I don't know. Are you guys having a hard time finding people? Um, same thing. A couple of the new people that we've hired were from word of mouth. Like one of our coordinators um, years ago um, left nicely um, for another job and then was unhappy there and wanted to come back and at her other job, had met several other um, people that she trusted and liked to work with and kind of convinced them to come to us. So that in that way, word of mouth was very helpful with someone that a, a trusted employee trusts, that's good. But um, it, it seems like the pool is kind of small. Yeah, sure. but yeah. we haven't had a lot of turnover. One yeah, of not a lot of turnover. Working here almost eight, nine years and salaries probably <clears throat> seven collectively. Um, and then the other coordinators, one of them was a medical biller in our GYN practice. Yeah, that started from scratch. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, our lab director is her sister. And uh, wow. yeah, so we kind of are more like a family here. Um, yeah. yeah. So we really haven't had a lot of turnover. And for a while, we haven't really been that busy. So we have hired a couple of <laughs> Yeah. It gets harder when you get busier. <laughs> yeah. I think the next, certainly the next thing that we need, if not another coordinator, is a dedicated recruiter. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you can give tips on who the best person is to hire there. Um, if it's smart or not smart to start with someone who seems smart but no experience, or picks and then you can mold them. Or I, I don't even. Yeah, know. I always go smart, no experience. Like MA, MAs are I love MAs, MAs, CNAs. I think for patient recruiters, for regulatory, for study coordinators you can get a really good and train them yourself we have crc academy if you need help training them but ma's cna's i love them and of course you'll hire like the newly graduated you know from college when you when you find a promising one i almost never hire someone with research experience because they usually bring bad habits with them too and i don't like that you know i like for me to train them on how we want to do it and i don't care how your site did it uh, you know yeah. I, I care how we want to do it also international medical grads are really good too and miami has a lot of them so that's your yeah, probably yeah. your advantage that's true. yeah yeah that's awesome it's gonna be nice to follow you guys around um your instagram's really cool keep it going um would be nice to do like follow-ups and maybe take a tour of your site one day and just sure. let guru nation kind of kind of learn more about you guys but i think it's a really cool story i think just keep it up if you don't have a tiktok you should somebody needs to maybe oh, give that role to like the learning how to use tiktok yeah. yeah this is like i mean not like i feel old but i feel like get whoever you hire for patient recruitment get them because that's your next hire Get them to manage your TikTok and Instagram stories and just make it part of their daily task. Because um, they'll do it. And I mean, you get plenty of good content, you know, and you can 
I, I don't know the rules so much as far as like getting patients on videos. I've put patients on videos before, but I always get their consent on camera. But mm. just from like the staff, like just you guys, there's three of you guys and your mom. That's four doctors, four clinicians that you have content for. Like you can almost do every day of the week with just one of you guys talking about something else. So that's like a there's a lot of things you guys can do to like really blow up your research site in a good way um and i'd be i'd be excited to follow you guys and learn more yeah. i'm trying to think if i have any other questions for you um, you guys do public like uh, does anyone publish papers or anyone nerd out on this stuff <laughs> yeah um, we've yeah. all published stuff um i haven't done that kind of research uh in a while but yeah we're we're all published okay because that know. works too that works for the b2b side like getting more attracting more sponsors and then obviously the tiktok stuff is for b2c but i think having like both of those is really good there's a doctor i want to introduce you guys to she's in malibu dr sabine hazen she reminds me a lot of you guys. She's not a triplet, but she reminds me. She might as well be because that lady does like 3x what most people do. I have to introduce you to her. Uh, she does publishing and I think her daughter runs her TikTok or something, but she's really, she's really cool. And she does research too. And she's a sponsor. So she nerded out so much that she created like a sponsor company. And then I was her CRO at one point. So with her sites, she'll she'll do like traditional studies. But for when she's the sponsor, she's the site as well. And then she needs a CRO, like an external party to come in and audit. And that's what I was doing. So she's somebody that um, you guys can also network with too sure, on yeah. different coasts. Yeah. Um, sorry, one question for you. What... Um software do you recommend to manage uh facebook ads i've heard good things about leads bridge for facebook i used to do it myself and facebook's cool because it's instagram uh rolled into it i have a company called crankworks it's run by a guy out in canada i actually just had a zoom with him before we started ours uh, so he's running our facebook ads He's going to start running our ads for the osteoarthritis study that we have. We have a new osteoarthritis study, but he's been running our ads for the CRA Academy, the CRC Academy. Uh, he's been doing our website. So I don't know what he uses. He showed me something just now called Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. I've heard of that. Yeah, I j literally just saw it, so I can't forget it. <laughs> it's uh, It was just an hour ago. Um, but I've outsourced that. Look, I've tried to do that. It, you, you're going to have way better ROI just outsourcing that to someone else. I've tried to do it myself. I got in the weeds. I've tried to hire like semi-pros, which is okay. The semi-pros kind of run our stories. Like all the stories you see on my Instagram, if it's not me, it's somebody else posting. Like we have a schedule. So mm -hmm. that's okay. And, and that could be like the person you hire for patient recruitment. You can you can delegate that to them. But when you're actually putting like your credit card down to pay for it campaigns, I would hire like a professional company. These guys are good. I'm happy to make an introduction. Okay. okay. Yeah. Consider that. 
yeah that's i've tried and it's <laughs> it's just it's very difficult and i do not get the results that they're able to get and mm-hmm. and i don't do anything like <laughs> so it's you can't beat that you just pay yeah. and oftentimes these sponsor you just pay them from the budget they give you right yeah and if it works you can just ask them for more and they'll they'll give you more it's crazy industry we're in yeah totally and yeah a lot of things that we are yet to learn yeah, yeah and but... you learn none of this in medical school oh no yeah. what do you <laughs> you know it's... that this was even a possibility except our mom already figured it out and had it honestly yeah or like maybe you get into maybe some very academic type research or not necessarily bench research but that is a very different thing than what we do like actual yeah clinical research. yeah that's you a whole another podcast. School, you don't really think that that can translate to a private practice. So that's a whole another podcast. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. since we're on that topic, like, what do you guys think about large healthcare systems kind of taking control of, of medicine? And, and they're trying to take control of research, but it's not working. Go figure why it's not working. You mean like private hospital conglomerates? Yeah, like Dignity Health, Kaiser Permanente getting into, or like just hospital systems like UC, LA. I mean, I feel like there's a magic when combining like a small mom and pop with research. I think you guys are way more efficient. I don't know, by whatever metrics anybody wants to use to compare two sites, I guarantee you the smaller site is more efficient with the resources they deploy and and the outcomes they achieve um, for their efforts than these large systems. There's so much waste yeah. and the bigger they get, the more waste there is to, to the point where nothing's actually done and they just get government grants. That's like the yeah. ultimate pinnacle of waste. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely a, a mix of issues. I mean, I came from a smaller hospital where I trained, but at least the pressure almost seemed like was on the doctors to come up with an idea for a project, start to finish, obtain IRB approval. And typically it's for some very esoteric thing and not necessarily something that's widely applicable, something that probably requires inpatient care, which is not the majority of medical care. And um, oftentimes the people that you're working with, either residents or whoever are turning over um, to recruit patients, or you're perhaps using recruiters or whatever your staff is, is offsite and not directly involved with patient care. I, there seems to be such a big disconnect, not just between the conditions they want to research, but also patient access in general um, versus like a site where, yeah, we have, we're literally in it. I walk to this half of the office versus that one. I'm on the research side, my <laughs> clinical side, and can mix those in a second. Whereas I, I don't know how else to describe it. Just the kind of burden of that seems like a lot, but mostly it just seemed like the conditions that they were studying are not, at least in OB or GYN, were not hugely common. So that's my the industry's answer. The industry hopes that decentralized trials will leverage big systems by using tech tools to somehow get patients. They still haven't figured this out. They're going to use tech to leverage big systems to get their patients into studies. But patients don't trust pharma. They never have. They trust even less now. 
but they trust people yeah. like you guys, right? Um, right. Yeah. That, so, that part, no, you're right. That I don't even think about is huge. Yeah. Trust of like a big hospital. It's like, why, what is this hospital? What is their actual motivation? Yeah. Or Walgreens. It's different like now the whole thing, all the headlines now are Walgreens and CVS are getting into research. I'm not worried at all. Like people ask me, well, oh, they have huge data, but yeah, they probably have 25% of everyone in the country. Who cares? Right. So what? Right. Would you guys respond to a text from Walgreens right now if they text you right now? You wouldn't respond. No. And we work in the industry. So there's no way that these guys are displacing like actual clinicians in the community who actually care about their patients. I mean, this is the same Walgreens that partner with Theranos. This I'm right. going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> The same Walgreens yeah. where you wait in line to get your insulin and they're selling you chips and, and soda. Like yeah, how, right. how do they have patient trust, but you guys don't somehow you're inefficient. I could go on forever about this, but I just wanted your guys thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I guess, honestly, like things are going pretty well here with our system. Um, I don't know. Small I mean, is the new big. I think small yeah, is the new big. Yeah, I haven't really had to think about that kind of stuff. Honestly, well, even just the communication certainly is easier. I mean, yeah. you don't have to worry about large as, or as large scale communication. Communication amongst the, you know, the physicians, communication amongst the staff, communication amongst staff to patients. Like that is just all much easier. Yeah. On this yep. yeah, that will always be more efficient than splitting it up and having it be remote i think we also yeah. because it's because we are self-owned and these are our patients and most of our staff have been with us for years um we care more and we're not yeah. just and it's obvious like, yeah it's, we're not just some cog in the machine that we're highly motivated of like no we want to pick good patients to stay in the study if they're considered yeah. All those patients and please, please stay in the study rather than not my problem. Sorry, Walgreens. It's See, I think out. that's our us small sites need to. It's easier for us to adopt tech and become more like them or like compete with them than for them to adopt empathy or I don't know what the what the tool is, you know. But they're not gonna. We have an easier time adopting to their strategies. I mean, we can yeah. outsource. We can say hey, Ivan from Crankworks. You know, let's run some ads and help me out with setting up an e-source. It's much easier to do that than for them to try to get one-on-one -on -one with their patients. I mean, I don't even know right. my pharmacist. If my pharmacist tells me to join a study, I'm like, you know, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Agree. Good conversation, guys. I think we need to do this again. Sure. Um, sure. We should do like a part two and part three. Just keep following up. Maybe every six months or so to see your progress and just to uh, touch base. And then we can network too. We, I don't have OBGYN, but we can network with different studies if you ever do things outside of OBGYN. Yeah. Yeah, okay. obesity. Uh, yeah, obesity. I think yeah. that's our common ground there. My PI loves that as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys. <laughs> if anyone wants more info, should they go to your Instagram? Is that the place to go? specifically yeah. for our research company probably our website um oh, the our website. instagram i think is more geared towards our medical practice um, okay okay yeah that's a good one though i like i follow your instagram um yeah so i'll put the link to the website and the instagram underneath this video and in the show notes but thank you guys so much okay.
thank you. Yeah, thank you. And next time, maybe we'll I'll be on the same video, dress completely like there'll be a quiz every six months. Man, it'll be like so. Yeah, that's gonna be like really hard to conduct that interview. But thank you guys. You guys made it easy, and we'll definitely do more of these. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for watching. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Catch you later. Bye bye.